When I was six years old, I got my mom a beautiful chess box. I'd been saving my pocket money for months to buy it. Look what I got you, Mommy. Happy birthday. Mom looked at the box for a few seconds, then threw it on the floor and stomped on it. What a stupid gift. What am I supposed to do with this? Can't you ever be normal, like your sisters? And she threw it in the garbage. Just then, my two older sisters came running in and handed Mom their present. It was a mug with a picture of the three of them printed on it. I wasn't even in the picture. Mom gave them a tight hug and said it was the best birthday present ever. I burst into tears and shut myself up in my room. I took out my own chess set and started playing. Chess was my thing. I was obsessed with it. Dad had left us when we were little because he thought that marriage and kids was too much responsibility for him. I looked exactly like my dad, so Mom took out all her anger on me. Anything I did seemed to get on her nerves. Even my older sisters seemed to hate me, and they blamed me for everything. One time they failed all their exams, and they said it was my fault. She always has company over to play chess, and they make so much noise. We weren't able to study for the tests. What? Mom started shouting at me and said I had to clean their rooms for a month to make up for my poor sisters. I'd had enough. In your dreams, Mom. And I walked off and locked myself up in my room. I didn't come out for the next few days. I just kept playing chess alone. One day, when I was in the third grade, I invited a friend over to my place. He was my chess partner at school. I was afraid my family would be rude to him, but they seemed delighted to have him over. My sisters ran to the store and came back with a huge basket of chocolates and toys for him. They were practically drooling over him, which is so gross. Seriously? Why are you friends with Mia? She's such a loser. Be our friend instead. No, no. Be our brother and come live with us. That's even better. He looked completely terrified and ran out of my house as fast as he could. I yelled at mom and my sisters, but they said it was my fault and every guy just left because of me. Turned out my family wasn't the only one who hated me. When I was in the fifth grade, our history teacher started off the lesson by saying, Millions of years ago, when humans and dinosaurs used to live together, it was only safe for men to go out at night for food. Wait, what? I raised my hand. Um, ma'am, that's just not true. The teacher glared at me. What's not true? Dinosaurs and humans never coexisted. Of course they did. Haven't you seen all those movies where people are running away from the dinosaurs? That's fiction, ma'am. Humans actually came 64 million years after dinosaurs became extinct. Stop making things up. You're really rude. And I'm going to call your mom. When the teacher called her, mom said she already knew I was a bad girl and she was too busy to come and get me. Just send her home. She can walk. As I was packing up my stuff to leave, I was called into the principal's office. Oh no, was I in more trouble? Feeling really nervous, I went to the principal's office and found him beaming at me. Congratulations, Mia. You'll be bumped up a grade because you're a brilliant kid. I was thrilled. This was sure to make mom happy. When I got home and told her, she jumped up from the couch in shock. Oh my god, this is the worst news ever. Am I going to have to buy you new books? I was so disappointed. Just as I was walking out of the room, I heard her say, Mia, you know what? Education means nothing if you're not pretty like your sisters. Ugh, why did she have to be like this? I was moved up a grade and started spending more time at the local library. At least I got some peace and quiet there.
One day, I saw a flyer on the board about a monthly chess competition, and I decided to participate. I was easily able to beat my competitor, and I won a small amount of money. Of course, I didn't tell anyone at home about the money I'd won. This was going to be my little secret. One day at the library, an old blind man came up to me. I'd often seen him here before, sitting alone. He smiled at me. Wanna play chess with me, little hero? I laughed and said I'd beat him easily. He simply said, try me. So I played with him, and to my shock, I lost. You're talented, but you need more practice. After several months had passed and we had been playing together daily, the blind man said one day that I was ready. For what? The international competition I've been preparing you for. I'd won more local competitions and had some money saved up. There was no way I was telling mom where I was really going. I told her that dad had contacted me and sent me a ticket to visit him. Whatever. Do you think I care about what you do? I went to the competition with the blind man and a few other competitors from my area. It was a really tough game, but I used all my wits and knowledge and won. And my prize was $200,000. When I stepped forward to collect my check, the organizers asked me my age, and then they refused to give me my money. They said I needed a legal guardian, and the blind man wasn't even related to me. Despite all my protests, they called my mom and said they'd transfer the money to her. When I got home that evening, mom ran to me and smothered me with hugs and kisses. I knew she was just after my money. She'd made all my favorite things for dinner, and at the end of it, she brought out a huge chocolate cake with candles. But mom, it's not even my birthday. Do I need a reason to celebrate my favorite daughter? Come now, darling. Blow out the candles. My sisters kept glaring at me all night like they wanted to eat me. They were really unhappy. The next night when I got back from the library, I saw a sleazy-looking guy in his 50s sitting on the couch. He took one look at me and said, Oh my God, your mom really wasn't kidding. You're ugly. I felt really mad and told him to shut up and leave immediately. Oh, ugly and rude? May God help your mama. He walked out of the house, slamming the door behind him. Just then, mom came running into the lounge with a tray of drinks. Where did the man go? I told her he was really rude to me, so I'd told him to get lost. The tray went crashing from mom's hands to the floor. You what? Stupid girl, do you have any idea what you've done? That guy is a big-shot businessman who can turn us into the future Kardashians. I was horrified. I told her there was no way I was getting plastic surgeries done to make me look so fake. Fine, your sisters will. I yelled at her. You can't use my money to get those stupid surgeries. Stop being so melodramatic, honey. Just participate in another competition and win some more money. Simple. I threatened to call dad and said I would sue her. But she just laughed like a maniac and said he'd probably forgotten all about his ugly daughter by now. I ran to my room and screamed into my pillow in anger. I hated her. Since my older sister Amanda was 19, she was legally allowed to have plastic surgeries. Her face looked so different now, I could no longer even recognize her. But mom thought it was amazing. Darling, you're going to make us so rich with that beautiful face. You look just like a Hollywood star. Amanda looked at her and said, Yeah, I've been meaning to tell you. I'm going to be a Hollywood star. I've been offered a really great role in a huge movie. Mom looked beyond delighted. Well, that's perfect. 
You'll make us all tons of money. Uh, yeah, right, Mom. I'm leaving for good and don't expect a penny. Just forget you even have a daughter named Amanda. Just then, a black limousine drove up outside our house, and with a bye, Amanda hopped in and left. Mom stood there with her mouth open, then turned to me, glaring. You better participate in a new competition and make more money soon, or else. No way. And with that, I walked off to my room. I was quite surprised when Katya followed me a little later on. She said it was really unfair how mom had wasted all my money on Amanda. Her eyes fell on my chess set, and she asked me if I would teach her. I was really happy that someone was finally taking an interest and said, sure, why not? We had a great time playing chess all evening. The next day when I opened up YouTube, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It looked like mom had been filming us while I'd been teaching Katya last evening, and the two of them had edited the footage to make it look like she was the professional and I was the beginner. Thankfully, my face was covered, but I was so mad. I went downstairs to find the two of them huddled over their phones and talking excitedly about how many likes and comments they had on the video already. I started yelling at them for being a bunch of frauds. Mom just looked up at me and said, Listen, the video is already out and people love it. They can hardly believe that a beautiful girl like Katya is such a genius. So, Here's our plan. You keep doing your crazy thing and practice chess and play online, and Katya will record you and post videos. It'll only be like three videos a week. Seriously? Mom was just shameless. Why on earth would I do that? Because we'll give you your share of the money, and then you can finally leave for good. I don't care if you do, but only after your sister is famous. Okay, that sounded fair to me. So I shook hands with her on it. It was a deal. Things went fine for a while. I was doing what I loved, and my sister kept making videos of me and uploading them. The channel was getting more popular, and Katya was getting really famous. I finally had the peace and quiet I always dreamed of. Most evenings, I was busy studying in the library and working on my plan to get out of here. One night, I got a letter and started screaming with joy. When Mom asked me why, I told her that I'd been accepted for a scholarship, and I was going to China as an exchange student. I thought Mom wouldn't even care, but she went completely nuts. She tried snatching the letter from me, but I quickly slipped it inside my shirt. She kept shouting that I couldn't go and just leave all of her hard work she had put into making the channel famous, but I wasn't listening to her nonsense anymore. I was done, and I was leaving. The blind man is really unwell. He's asking for you, Mia. He needs his little friend. I felt shocked and immediately ran out of the house to go see him. When I reached his place, the front door was half open. I walked inside, and it was all dark. I kept calling his name, but there was no response. After I'd searched the whole house, I left feeling really worried. When I got back home, Katya went down on her knees and started crying, begging me to stay. I turned to Mom and asked her what had happened to the blind man. Oh, he's fine. He doesn't live at that address anymore. And I just said all that stuff so I had a chance to tear up your passport. As I stared at it in horror, every horrible thing she'd ever said and done came rushing back to me, and I just snapped. I leapt forward to attack her, but Katya stood up quickly and came between us. Suddenly, Mom said that she felt dizzy and fell back on the couch. I, I need a doctor. When the doctor came and examined Mom, he told us something really shocking. Mom had broken heart syndrome. 
She needed really good care, and we had to make sure she didn't have any stress. As I sat by her bedside, she took my hand and started crying and apologizing for everything she'd done. She sobbed that it was only because I reminded her so much of Dad. At that moment, I felt really sorry for her. Then she showed me the heart-shaped necklace she'd been wearing for years. Looking at it closely, I was shocked to see my name carved on it. See, my precious daughter, I've always loved you, but I was never any good at expressing my emotions. I cherish you so much. Please forgive me. I hugged my mom and cried on her chest. From that day on, I just wanted to make mom happy. I went back to making chess videos with Katya, and I started participating in more competitions and made a lot of money. The smile on mom's face was everything for me. After I graduated from high school at 16, I had a really important international competition coming up. I practiced with the blind man day after day, and I told him I really needed to win this for mom. He looked at me solemnly and said, Kid, the only person you should work hard for is you. Make yourself proud. I didn't want to argue with him, so I just nodded. He wouldn't understand. I just wanted mom to be really proud to have me as her daughter. The day of the big competition arrived, and mom and Katya traveled with me to another state. I was really glad to have them by my side for support, especially mom. Minutes before the competition started, I felt really nervous and wanted mom to hug me for good luck. I went looking for her backstage when I saw her and Katya talking. What I heard left me shook. Ugh, mom, I'm so tired of this. How long are we supposed to suck up to Mia? I told you, not before I make a fortune out of that girl's stupid gift. Why can't you just send her to dad? You never had to raise a child that isn't yours. That jerk. He left and thought I'd just raise his child for free? I couldn't believe it. I stood frozen in my spot. I wanted to yell at them, but I couldn't even speak. Just then, a lady came and dragged me by the arm, saying it was my turn next. As I stepped on the stage, my legs were shaking. My mind felt completely blank. I didn't know what to do or how to play this game. It felt like the whole world was staring at me. I took a deep breath and closed my eyes. I pushed out everything from my mind and only thought about what the blind man had said. I had to do this for me. I played the best game of my life. I could feel the audience's excitement as they started cheering and clapping for me. Checkmate. I had won. The announcer handed me a check for $500,000. When he asked me how I felt, I replied, I've never felt happier in my life. Today, I gained my freedom. As for the money, I want to donate all of it to charity. Thank you. Mom came running to the stage, screaming like a lunatic. You can't do that, you crazy little brat. I looked at her coldly. You're not the boss of me. You're not even my mom. You're no one. Just as she was about to attack me, the security guard stepped forward and took her away. Today, years later, I'm a medical student. I'm living my best life and still helping others. And the blind man, he is my best friend. I couldn't believe my eyes. A hidden camera right in my room. This couldn't be happening. Who installed it? And how did I not see it? Hi, my name's Susan, and you would never believe the story I'm about to tell you. I wouldn't believe it either, and to be honest, I still don't. I'll start by saying that ever since I was a kid, I've been considered weird. 
Yeah, my hobbies are not what you'd call ordinary. I used to watch videos about conspiracy theories. I believed in ghosts and the afterlife. I saw signs in everything. My friends and parents had gotten used to my peculiarities a long time ago. My mom and dad were more concerned that I was doing well in school and not hanging with shady people. My friends, on the other hand, appreciated my sense of humor and openness. And all was well until the night when I first noticed something strange. My friends and I were coming home from the movie theater, discussing the movie and making plans. Usually, we walk together to the same intersection, and then we go our separate ways home. We wished each other good night, exchanged jokes, and I turned onto my street. I was in a good mood. I walked past the houses and smiled to myself. But the smile disappeared from my face when I put my hand in my pocket to get my headphones. The pocket was empty. Oh, damn. I lost my headphones that my parents had given me for my birthday years ago. Maybe I dropped them on the way. <sighs> With a sigh, I headed back to the intersection, hoping that my headphones were still lying on the pavement somewhere. As I turned to the corner, however, I instantly forgot about losing them. My friends, who seemed to have gone home at the same time as I did, were standing at the same intersection where we said goodbye, arguing about something. I froze and opened my mouth to call out to my friends. Suddenly, Owen saw me. It's Susan, he yelled. The guy's faces changed and they started running away. I was still standing at the intersection, not really sure what was going on. I had no choice but to turn around and go home, giving up on my lost headphones. So, what was that all about? I asked this question in our shared chat room. What do you mean? Owen replied immediately. Don't make a fool out of me. I saw you at the intersection. You ran away as soon as you saw me. The chat was silent for about five minutes. I saw the guys were typing something, but they never sent it. I could bet that outside of the chat, they were discussing how to respond. You're making things up again, Susan. Finally wrote Tori. Did you watch your weird reptiloid videos all night again? The others responded with smiley faces. Oh, really? Of course, the best defense is offense. And actually, reptiloids do exist. I'll see how these geniuses laugh when the lizards take over the planet. I decided not to respond and tossed the phone aside. And these are my best friends. I watched the notifications from the shared chat pop on my phone all evening, but I didn't respond. Surely, they were making wisecracks about my imagination. But the strange things didn't stop there. In the morning on my way down to breakfast, I heard my parents talking, and I almost fell down the stairs. They clearly weren't ready for me to get up so early. What do we need to talk about? Dad asked. I never had time to read the message. I had a lot of work to do. John, you're being irresponsible about your role. Mom answered, We need to say that Anne Jacqueline is sick, and we need to visit her next week. That doesn't sound believable, to be honest. Well, what can I do? They told me to improvise, and I last acted in a school play about 20 years ago. What does it all mean? What kind of roles are they talking about? Meanwhile, my parents finished their strange conversation, and my mother shouted, Susan, breakfast is ready! I had to go downstairs and pretend I didn't hear anything. Of course, my appetite was out of the question. Thoughts swirled in my head, one more suspicious than the next. My friends obviously wanted to discuss something without me. This has never happened before. 
We always did everything together and had no secrets from each other. My parents were up to something too and made up some crazy story about Aunt Jacqueline. Just so you understand, my Aunt Jacqueline is a very rich and very unpleasant person. Even on her deathbed, she wouldn't want to have poor people like us hanging around her. So, the story my parents were going to tell me was a total fail. But that's not what surprised me. They said to improvise. Who's they? Ugh, all this weirdness is worthy of the Shane Dawson channel. I'd love to jump to a conclusion or two, but I had absolutely no clue as to what was going on. I wanted to keep a closer eye on my parents' behavior, and I decided not to communicate with my friends at all for now. I was so offended by what they said. I was so angry that they made me look like a freak. So I'll let them hang out without me until they admit what they did was wrong. And they can explain their bizarre behavior. Well, for the next few days, my parents didn't raise any suspicions, as if they knew I was watching them closely. We usually spent Friday nights together. We'd have a nice dinner, and then we'd sit in front of the TV and watch a movie. We have a rule in our family. We take turns choosing a movie. One week it was mom, next week it was dad, and the week after, it was my turn. If it wasn't for this rule, I would have only survived family movie nights for a couple of months. My parents would usually pick some old movie, and I would almost fall asleep in the middle of it. But when it was my turn, we always had a great time. Well, at least I did. This Friday, I was out of luck. My mother, as usual, chose some old sob story. But this time, I didn't manage to get any sleep. The movie was called The Truman Show, and it was about a man who one day discovers that his whole life was a reality show. There were cameras everywhere. Every event in his life was directed by a genius producer, and the people, even those closest to him, are just actors playing parts. I forgot how to breathe. The credits were rolling on the screen, and I still couldn't get my thoughts together. Susan, is everything okay? Mom put her hand on my shoulder. Yeah. I stared at her. They said to improvise. Mom's words played in my head like a broken record, and my friends discussing something behind my back and then pretending it didn't happen. This couldn't be happening. Of course I couldn't sleep that night. Rolling from side to side, I tried to calm down and prove to myself that there was no reality show featuring me. It was a ridiculous idea. I could write a book with my wild imagination. I decided to bring my teddy bear Barney to bed. When I was a kid, he always helped me fall asleep quickly. But at some point, I decided that sleeping with a teddy bear at my age was stupid. Since then, Barney had settled on the shelf above my desk. I haven't picked him up for such a long time, and I wish I hadn't. Once I looked at his cute face, I screamed and dropped the toy on the floor. No way! As I took Barney into my hands again and looked closely, I felt my insides freeze. A hidden camera. It was installed in the right eye of my teddy bear. Who installed it? And what was it filming? Is my whole life a scripted show, like in that movie? My parents came running into the room. When my mom saw Barney in my arms, she gasped and stared at my dad. Why didn't you tell me the truth? I screamed. What do you mean? Dad looked at mom disapprovingly. Didn't you tell her everything? I should have. 
But I forgot. Susan, it's... You forgot? I threw the bear to the floor. Forgot to tell me that my whole life is a stupid reality show! And you're complete strangers to me! How could you forget that? Honey, Dad said softly, don't be so dramatic. What's he talking about? What do you mean, dramatic? Now I knew what that strange remark from Mom meant. My parents suggested we talk about this in the morning, over breakfast, without getting too emotional. They took Barney and cautiously left the room, clearly afraid of making me more angry. I was in shock. What was I supposed to do now? Where to go if everything around me isn't real? I grabbed my phone and opened the group chat room. My friends, for days now, have been trying in vain to work things out with me by sending me funny stickers and asking how I was doing and how long I was going to stay mad. Stay mad? I know everything! Despite the late hour, my message was immediately read by everyone in the chat room. Barry was the first to respond. I knew it was a stupid idea. Well, you should have thought of something different, Monica replied. Susan, we're sorry we tricked you. We had no other choice. Owen added a crying smiley face. I started typing, feeling tears well up in my eyes. What do you mean there was no other way out? My whole life is ruined. Now I don't know what's true and what's a lie. Who are my real friends and who are the actors who are paid to pretend to be my friends? Uh, Sue? You're obviously overreacting, Tori said. I felt like smashing the phone against the wall. Overreacting? My whole life is a freaking reality show, and I'm overacting? Susan, I don't really understand what you mean. Barry stepped in again. We just wanted to surprise you. I know those headphones were dare to you, but the ones we got you are mind-blowing. What other headphones? I was totally confused about what was going on. And then my friends, interrupting each other, began to tell me their vision of what was happening. As it turned out, they'd long noticed that my headphones were barely alive. Barry, Owen, Tori, and Monica decided to chip in and buy me the coolest new headphones. And to make sure I would use them, they decided to steal my old headphones. And that's what my friends did that day at the movie theater. I swear, Sue, you're gonna go crazy when you hear those basses, raved Owen. Wait a minute. You wrote that you knew everything. What did you mean by that? I didn't know what to answer, Tori. I didn't want to look any weirder than I was. Okay, this part of the story seemed pretty believable. But what the hell was up with the camera in my room? That's what my parents told me at breakfast. We installed hidden cameras a long time ago, Mom explained. There's more than one in the house, one per room. But don't worry, we only turn them on when the whole family goes on vacation. I should have told you about it, but I forgot. I got carried away. Actually, it's strange that you've only noticed them now, dear. Daddy frowned. How do you clean your room? Again, the best defense is a good offense. But what about the one sentence that scarred me so much? Our friends invited us to a spa hotel next week. To relax, to have fun, Mom said. We were embarrassed that we weren't taking you with us, and we didn't want you to think we were tired of you. To be honest, I still didn't fully believe their explanations. Too many coincidences, don't you think? Or maybe I am living in a reality show. But then, how do I know for sure? Please, share your opinion in the comments. And if you like my story, subscribe to our channel and like this video. 
My name's Grace, and I'm facing a hard choice. Money or love. After all, my crush promised to marry me if I got rid of my millions. But before I continue my story, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. I grew up in a wealthy family. My parents tried to never deny me anything, since I'm their only child. So, I have no idea how to live without money. Money solves everything. If you want a vacation, buy yourself a trip to the islands. If you're seriously ill, buy yourself some expensive medicine. However, not everyone shares my opinion. Unfortunately, my crush Nasfi was one of those people. I fell in love with him a year ago, and he reciprocated. And even though Nasfi wasn't very nice to reach people, he was crazy about me. And he wasn't uncomfortable by my millions. At least, that's what I thought up to a certain point. Grace, you and I have been together for a year now, and I want to ask you to be my wife. Yes! I screamed before he could finish. Wait, I have one small condition. He took my hands. And what's that? I want you to give up your millions. What? I shrieked, and I swung my hand sharply in shock. I accidentally dropped a burning candle on the table, and the tablecloth, of course, burst into flames. And there was a fire in the restaurant. People ran out into the streets in panic. And I panicked and wondered what to do. To choose money and spend my life in luxury, or choose a lover and live my life in love, old clothes, and in a box on a street like a cat family. Uh-huh. Grace, Nasfi told me, money's evil. Money is opportunity and happiness. Without it, there's no life. You're wrong, and I'll prove it to you if you agree to be my wife. Either the disgusting smell of smoke had that effect on me, or it was just love that blew my head off. But I agreed to marry Nasfi and give up my favorite green bills. That smells so good and rustle in my hands. My parents were shocked when they learned of my decision, but they didn't mind because they liked Nasfi and they respected my every wish. I left the mansion with tears in my eyes and found myself in Nasfi's old one-room apartment. Is there only one bathroom? I asked in shock. Well, yes. Is that really a problem for you? Of course it's a problem for me. Do I have to wait for him to shower every morning? And leave my personal belongings in the same drawer as his? What a nightmare! But I told Nasfi I'd get used to it. I thought the bathroom would be the only inconvenience in my new life. But I was wrong. Can you believe I had to cook for myself? I also had to clean up while Nasfi was at work. Even though I was in college during the day, my husband thought a woman should keep the house in order. I wasn't used to that. I used to have a maid do everything for me. And why should I do anything around the house all by myself? So, I wanted to tell Nasfi I wasn't happy. But he came from work with a big bouquet of white roses. And he hugged me. And he told me I'd make a wonderful wife. His words made me melt. But the very next day, I was snow white again. Because I couldn't figure out the washing machine. First of all, I couldn't get it to work the first time. Second of all, I put too much detergent in, and the whole bathroom was full of bubbles. Third, I threw a red stock into the white laundry. I think you can see by now that it was a disaster. I freaked out. I sat down on the floor in the foam and cried out of helplessness. I hate this life. Without money, it sucked. Grace, what's wrong? When Nasfi came home from work and saw me, he ran right over and gave me a hug. I can't live like this anymore. I can't do anything. All my
my white clothes have turned pink. You'll learn everything, honey. The guy stroked my hand, and I pushed him away from me. I'm not going to learn. I don't want to be your servant. If I'm going to live my whole life under these conditions, I choose money over marriage to you. I see. You're just like everyone else, Nasfi said grudgingly. I'm disappointed in you. I don't give a damn. The main thing is, I'll never stand at the stove again. I'll never do your laundry again. But as soon as I got back to the mansion, to my parents, and they shocked me with terrible news. My father had gone bankrupt. His company was in serious trouble. Not only were we left without millions, but our family was also heavily in debt. We sold the mansion, a collection of cars, and my mother and I's jewelry. It was enough to buy a small apartment on the outskirts of town, which was no better than Nasfi's apartment. In the end, I had to do what I did when I lived with Nasfi. Only, I had to teach it to my mother, but she wasn't a very good student. Dinner kept burning, and the iron burned through our clothes. My dad wasn't happy, and he and my mother fought all the time. All I had to do was cry quietly, because I'd lost everything. Money and love. So one night, I decided to write to Nasfi and apologize to him for my behavior. But he didn't answer my messages. And then I saw a picture of him with another girl on social media. What the hell is that? I squeezed my phone so hard that my hand cramped. My anger was so intense. I thought I was going to burn the apartment down. But instead, I tried to find out who this girl was. I looked at her social networking page and realized she was an angel from a simple family. She's a charity worker, studying to be a doctor. A real Nasfi ideal, not like me. Honestly, at first, I wanted to just let it go. But I couldn't because the anger was tearing me apart. Nasfi was so quick to find a replacement for me, so he didn't love me that much. With that thought, I went to his house, and when the guy opened the door, I slapped him right in the face. Grace, are you crazy? He touched his cheek. How could you, Nasfi? I thought you loved me, but as soon as I left, you found a replacement. You left me on your own. You chose money. So what? That doesn't mean I stopped loving you. Actually, I regretted my decision right away, but I realized that money really wasn't the most important thing in life. I didn't want to tell him that my family was poor, that I wanted to move out of my parents' house so I wouldn't have to be their personal maid. Really? Nasfi was surprised, and he smiled. Well, of course. I made a pretty face, and Nasfi hugged me tight. This was the picture his new girlfriend saw. She slapped him in the face for the second time that day. I wanted to jump on her with my fists, but Nasfi stopped me and told me he'd be happy to marry me. Then why'd you start seeing someone else? I don't know. Probably to piss you off, Grace. You're such a jerk! <laughs> I laughed, and I patted his hair. I moved away from my parents again. Mom even burst into tears, because now all the housework was her responsibility. Nasfi and I started a new life. He even started helping me with my chores, even though he was tired after work. I guess I was happy, although to be honest, only my millions could really make me happy. But one day, I saw Nasfi talking to this girl he used to date. He handed her something, and then he hugged her. I didn't understand the situation. I ran up to the couple and pushed the girl into a puddle, and then I slashed Nasfi in the face. The guy somehow calmed me down, and then he helped the girl up. 
But I put her right back where she belonged, angry that my young man was trying to help her. Grace, you got it all wrong, said Nasfi. He explained that he'd given the girl her things that she'd left in his apartment. And he hugged her, because his ex-girlfriend was having a hard time with the breakup. I almost calmed down, but then my mom came over. As luck would have it, she was walking by with a bag full of groceries. Grace, my daughter! Mom threw the bags on the ground, and then she hugged me. Please come home, I'm so tired. Did something happen? Nasfi asked. Didn't Grace tell you? Our family's broke. We're not rich anymore. I have to do everything myself. Grace used to help me, but she moved back in with you so she wouldn't have to live in the same apartment with us anymore. Nasfi was shocked when he heard that. I could see the disappointment on his face because he knew I'd lied to him. So you didn't give up the money. You just ran away from your parents. No, not exactly. Nasfi, I love you. I shouted desperately. I don't want to know anything else. He laughed, and his ex pushed me into a puddle in anger. Honestly, I didn't even want to get up because I'd lost someone I loved, who will not take me. I helped my mother carry the bags to the apartment. There was a happy father waiting for us. He told me that his business was going well. All his millions were back, and now we could buy a new mansion and live in luxury again. But I couldn't be happy. Because for the first time, I realized that money wasn't my first priority anymore. Without Nasfi, it didn't make me happy at all. Even a holiday on the islands didn't take my mind off my grief. I tried to call and write to the guy, but he blocked me everywhere. That's how he caught me out of his life. I didn't know anything about Nasfi for six months, until a mutual friend told me he was in the hospital. My ex was riding his bike to school, and he got hit by a car. Nasfi was pretty badly injured. I rushed to the hospital right away, but they wouldn't let me in the room because I wasn't related to the guy. But we met anyway, when, after a while, Nasfi came out of the room with difficulty. Nasfi, hello! I shouted, and I waved my hand. He was shocked to see me, but he smiled anyway. We sat down in the hall, and I started an uncontrollable flow of speech. I apologized to the guy, then I told him I was miserable without him. Then I cried and admitted that he was right about the money. And I'm sorry, Grace, I was too hard on you. I didn't think it would be hard for you to change your life like that. Nasfi took my hand, and I cried again. But this time, I was happy. Our relationship was getting better. My father bought us a nice apartment with two bathrooms, and I tried not to ask my parents for money anymore, because I wanted to do everything with Nasfi. He was happy that we got back together again, because all these six months, he couldn't get me out of his mind and heart. That's how I realized that money solves a lot of things, but not everything. The most important thing to have is a loving and caring person by your side. Would you give up millions for love? Write your answers in the comments. Hello everyone, my name is Susie and I will tell you what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone. But first things first, it happened one spring day. My older sister and I were cycling in a park not far from our house. In general, I can ride a bike very well, and apart from that, I have quite significant experience in it. I've been cycling since I was six years old, but something went wrong that day. I wanted to show my sister how skillfully I could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle, 
But because of the wet road, the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me. I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister Melody immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. My mom was also present, and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up, but in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, Mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart. And finally, the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand, and I was eagerly taking a bite of it. But suddenly, I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot. Doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this. And I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although, since then, a little more than a year has passed and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribe me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me. But then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all, and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me, and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself, sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once, quite an ordinary morning began as always, with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before, he used to mock me just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. A week had passed since that day and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor behind the stairs where it was possible to talk face to face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought and followed him.
Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat, so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days, and during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael, and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight, and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon, a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others, and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realize that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and so on, and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast, My Animated Story, by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E, 2-0.